0: Chapter 22 of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Laura Riley. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nouchet Carey. Chapter 22 Between the Acts. In all the humors, whether grave or mellow, thou's such a touchy, testy, pleasant fellow, hast so much wit and mirth and spleen about thee that there's no living with thee or without thee. Addison, spectator. The way is as plain as way to parish church, as you like it. In all London, There were no two happier girls than Waveney and Molly Ward that Wednesday evening. Nevertheless, Molly's cup of bliss lacked one ingredient to make it perfect. If only Waveney were there. If she had only known that at that very moment, Waveney was peeping at her from the back of the box opposite. There is my dear Molly, she whispered excitedly, Then Althea, much perplexed, swept the boxes with her opera glass. She could not see the girl anywhere, but just opposite them, standing quite alone in the front of the box, there was a young lady in a white silk cloak, and a pink shower bouquet in her hand, and she had the sweetest and most beautiful face that Althea had ever seen. "'What a lovely girl!' she said to herself, and she was not surprised to see that opera-glasses from all parts of the house were leveled in that direction. But the next moment she started, for surely she recognized that dark, foreign-looking man who had just entered the box. "'Moritz!' she ejaculated. "'Good heavens! Could that exquisite young creature be Molly Ward?' and then Althea's color changed as a slight, fair man joined them, followed by a tall, aristocratic-looking youth with pince Nez. "'Father and Noel!' whispered Waveney, in a wave of suppressed ecstasy. But only Doreen heard her. Althea's lips were white and trembling. The lights were flickering before her eyes. The tuning up of the instruments in the orchestra sounded harsh and discordant. No, she had not expected this, to find him so unchanged. It was twenty-one years since they had met, and yet it seemed to her that it was the same Everard Ward whom she remembered so well. He even wore the same white Stephanotis in his coat. He was a little older, perhaps, a trifle thinner, but it was the same perfect face, distance and the electric light softened down defects. Althea could not see how shiny and worn Everard's dress coat was any more than she could see the lines on his forehead and round his eyes, or the threatened baldness. She only noticed that he stood in his old attitude, his head raised, and one hand lightly twirling his mustache. Althea stifled a sigh, Well, she was glad to have seen him again, very glad. When ghosts were troublesome, it was well to lay them. And then, though her woman's heart failed her, and she vaguely felt that Doreen had been wiser and more prudent than she, she determined to pluck up spirit and play her little drama to the bitter end. The curtain had now drawn up, and they were at liberty to seat themselves comfortably in the front of the box. Molly's and Waveney's eyes were fixed on the stage, but Mr. Ingram, who had seen the play before, was not so engrossed. He had just discovered a picturesque little girl in a sapphire blue cloak, and a curly, babyish-looking head who reminded him of his little Samaritan. He wanted to take another look at her, but he could only see her profile and then Althea's long, pale face and reddish hair came into view, and beside her Doreen's dark-complexioned features. "'Now what on earth has put it into my cousin's head to come here to-night?' he said to himself, in a vexed voice. "'It is not like Althea to spoil sport in this fashion, and they have brought little Miss Ward, too.' and then he frowned and twisted his moustache fiercely, and growled under his breath. Confound those women! In quite irate fashion! Anyone who knew Mr. Engram well, his mother, if he had one, or his sister, for there was certainly no wife en evidence, would have seen that he was greatly chagrined and perplexed. But, being a humorist and one of the most good-natured men living, he worked off his wrath harmlessly by parodying the well-known verse and muttering it softly for his own refreshment o oh, woman in our hour of ease a giddy flirt a flippant tease as aggravating as the shade by blind venetian ever made when pain and anguish wring the brow a veritable humbug thou and lo and behold he was so pleased with his own cleverness that his exasperation died a natural death. The first act was over before Molly caught sight of Waveney, and then her delight and excitement were so great that her father had to gently admonish her that they were surrounded by strangers, and Noel, in a melodramatic whisper, threatened to take strong measures unless she behaved properly and left off kissing her hand like a crazy infant. The next moment, Mr. Ingram left his seat, and Althea, who guessed that he was coming across to them, went to the back of the box to receive him. He looked at her gravely. "'Et tu, brute?' he said, reproachfully, as he took her hand. Althea laughed. "'Oh, I was not spying on you, my lord.' She returned, playfully, but he exclaimed, Hush, for pity's sake! in such an agonized tone that Althea nearly laughed again. That child does not hear us, she said soothingly. Shall we take a turn in the corridor? And as he nodded assent, they went out together. Waveney had not even seen him enter the box. She was busily telegraphing to Molly. Well, Moritz— "'demanded Althea, in an amused tone. "'You may as well make a clean breast of it. "'Why have you forgotten your poor old cousins at the Red House, "'and why are you masquerading in this mysterious fashion? "'They call you Mr. Ingram, these children, "'but you are not Mr. Ingram now. "'And though I am not curious—' "'Oh, not the least bit in the world,' "'as he smiled provokingly. "'I should like to know what it all means.' "'What it means. Upon my word, Althea, you have asked a difficult question. One cannot always tell the meaning of things.' And then Moritz pulled his moustache in a perplexed way. "'Haven't you watched some boy throw a stone in a pond? It may be a mere pebble, but the circles widen and widen until the whole surface of the water is covered with intersecting circles?' "'Why, yes,' she returned coolly, "'but we are not throwing stones just now, are we?' "'No, it was only a parable. "'I deal in parables sometimes. "'I was just flinging my little pebble "'for mere sport and idleness "'when I called myself by my old name. "'I wanted to be incognito, "'to have no gaudy tag or bobtail "'attached to my humdrum personality. "'Only, you see,' The play has lasted longer than usual. But why? she persisted, but her tone was a little anxious. Moritz, please do not think me disagreeable. You were always a whimsical being, and only Gwen knows the extent of your eccentricities. But I am interested in these people. Here she caught her breath a little. When Mr. Ward knows, he might not be pleased. Oh, I will take my chance of that, he returned, obstinately, but Althea had not finished all she had to say. We used to know him so well in the old days. He was constantly at Kitland's. No, I know you and Gwen never saw him there. You were living abroad those two years. But Thorold Chaytor knew him. I was thinking that all this masquerading might lead to awkward complications by and by." nonsense he returned quickly what makes you so faint-hearted my dear cousin there will be no complications at all but althea shook her head almost sadly listen to me he went on with increased animation it is a pretty little comedy in real life and full of dramatic situations i am enjoying my incognito immensely it is the best bit of fun I have had since poor old Ralston died. In Cleveland Terrace, I am Monsieur Blackie. I adore the name. It suits me down to the ground. Then, as Althea laughed, he took hold of her arm in a coaxing fashion. Althea, you are a good creature. You must promise to keep my secret for a little while. I have made all my plans and prepared my denouement and I shall want your help in carrying it out. No hints to Gwen, no treasonable correspondence. Gwen is a good girl, but her honesty is almost clumsy. It yea yea and nay-nay with her, and Jack, too. My masquerading, as you call it, would simply shock her. Now, I have promised Miss Molly to bring her sister to our box, and I must keep my word. Perhaps Moritz's voice changed as he said this, but Althea looked at him rather earnestly. "'She is beautiful as an angel,' she said in a low voice. "'Take care of yourself, Moritz.' But only a flash of his eyes answered her. Certainly Althea looked very grave when she re-entered the box. Mr. Ingram had warned Molly that there must be no stage embrace so she had to content herself by squeezing Waveney's hand at intervals. The second act had already commenced, and until it ended there could be no conversation between the sisters. But when the curtain fell for the second time, Molly dried her eyes, for she had been shedding a deluge of tears, sniffed daintily at her flowers, and then asked Waveney, in a loud whisper, if Miss Althea had given her that pretty cloak. Waveney nodded. Yes, is it not sweet of her? She says I am to keep it. But, Molly, dear, yours is almost too lovely. Do you know Miss Althea would not believe you were Molly Ward because you were so beautifully dressed? Cinderella is turned into a princess tonight. And then she put her lips to Molly's ear. Did you find out anything from the Black Prince? Yes, "'No. Oh, please, hush,' returned Molly, with a distracting blush and a timid glance at Ingram. "'No, dear, he will not own to it. But, of course, I know. There, the curtain is going up again, and we shall hear if that dear girl is really dead.' Molly had made her little attempt while she was waiting for her father and Noel. Mr. Ingram had come early, but Molly was already dressed, and limping up and down the room, for she was far too restless to sit still. "'I have brought you some flowers,' he said, simply, as he handed her the magnificent bouquet. Then, as Molly blushed and thanked him, she carefully rehearsed the little speech that she had prepared beforehand. He was looking at her cloak, admiring it. Yes, his eyes certainly expressed decided approbation. Mr. Ingram, she stammered, for tact and finesse were not strong points with Molly. Do you know I have had a great surprise? I I have had such a beautiful present. It came the other night, and there was no name and no address, and I do so want to thank the kind friend who sent it. Mr. Ingram was arranging the flowers in his buttonhole. A leaf was awry, and he was the soul of neatness. Perhaps this was why he did not look at Molly. Dear me, he said quietly, an anonymous gift. This sounds interesting. A little mystery always enhances the value of a thing. Oh, do you think so? returned Molly, rather nonplussed by his tone. I suppose, being a girl, I think differently about that. I am sure that I should enjoy wearing my beautiful cloak a hundred times more if I could thank the giver. There now, observed Ingram, in a voice of supreme satisfaction, I did not like to ask the question, for fear you should think me inquisitive. And it is really that cloak that becomes you so well, that is, the mysterious present. I congratulate you, Miss Molly. I do indeed, for I never saw you look better in my life. Upon my word, if I were ordering an evening cloak for Glen, I would choose her just such another. Poor Molly! All this glib talk bewildered her. But she was far too grateful and too much in earnest to give up her point, so she only raised her lovely eyes to Ingram, and said, very wistfully, "'You could not help me to find out? I do so want to know.' But Ingram only shrugged his shoulders— He even looked a trifle bored. "'You may ask me anything else, Miss Molly, but I assure you I should make a bad detective.' "'Why,' he continued, airily, "'I find it difficult enough to keep my own secrets without finding out other people's. Oh, here comes our friend the humorist. And now may I beg to inform you that Monsieur Blackie's carriage stops the way?' Waveney did not return to her friend's box, and at the conclusion of the play they all met in the lobby. Waveney was hanging on her father's arm, but he disengaged himself hastily when he saw the sisters. Althea, who had been nerving herself for this moment all the evening, was only a little paler than usual as she held out her hand to him. "'It is a great many years since we met, Mr. Ward,' she said, with a grave smile. Yes, he returned, looking at her with equal gravity, but his eyes were sad. More than twenty years, I think. And then he shook hands with Doreen rather stiffly, while Althea spoke to Molly and Noel. I should like you to come and see me, my dear, she said to the delighted child. Would next Tuesday suit you? Waveney shall come over in the carriage and fetch you. AND PERHAPS YOUR BROTHER WOULD JOIN YOU AND TAKE YOU BACK IN THE EVENING, AND MOLLY ACCEPTED THIS INVITATION WITH GREAT READINESS. EVERARD, WHO HAD OVERHEARD THIS, CAME A STEP NEARER. I MUST TAKE THIS OPPORTUNITY OF THANKING YOU FOR YOUR KINDNESS TO MY DEAR CHILD, HE SAID, WITH STRONG FEELING IN HIS VOICE. IT WAS HARD TO PART WITH HER, BUT YOU MAKE HER SO HAPPY THAT MOLLY AND I try TO BE RESIGNED TO HER LOSS. "'You do not owe me any thanks,' returned Althea, "'her lips paling with evident emotion. "'For we love her for her own sake, "'and she is a great comfort to me. "'Ah, I see my cousin is beckoning to you, "'so I will wish you good-night.' Everard shook hands with her rather absently, "'but a moment later he came back to her side. "'Miss Harford, pardon me, "'but did you say, just now, that Ingram was your cousin? Then Althea looked a trifle confused. How incautious she had been. Yes, she returned guardedly. Moritz is certainly our cousin, once removed. When we were at Kitland's, his father, Colonel Ingram, lived abroad, so that is why you never met him. Did you not ever hear us speak of Moritz and Gwendolyn? I think not. I am sure not." but Everard's eyes were downcast as he spoke. Then, without another word, he lifted his hat and turned away. The mention of Kitland's had been like a stab. Even Althea hardly guessed how this meeting had tried him, and how cruelly his pride had suffered. Althea was very silent all the way home. She was tired, she said, and Doreen and Waveney must discuss the play without her, but as she leant back in her corner of the carriage, very little of the conversation reached her ears. Ah, uh, she had noted the changes now. The shiny dress-coat, the lines, the slight baldness, had all been apparent under the flaring gas-lights in the lobby. She could see now that Everard was aged and altered. The spring and brightness of youth had gone— and care and disappointment and ceaseless drudgery had given him the stoop of age. Already his shoulders seemed bowed, as though some heavy load lay on them. But the face, grave and careworn as it was, was the face of her old lover. The features were as finely chiseled as ever. No sorrow, no failure, no wearing sense of humiliation would ever rob Everard Ward of his man's beauty, though perhaps an artist would no longer desire to paint him as ithereal. "'I am glad to have seen him again,' thought Althea, but a dry sob rose in her throat as she said it. How coldly, how gravely, he had accosted her! He had expressed no pleasure in meeting his old friends— had asked no single question about their welfare, a few stiff words of thanks for her kindness to Waveney, but nothing more, nothing more, and Althea's eyes grew misty with unshed tears in the darkness. There were some lines by Miss Murdoch that Everard had once written in her album. She had read them so often she knew them by heart. They were haunting her now. Forgotten, No, we never do forget. We let the years go, wash them clean with tears, leave them to bleach out in the open day, or lock them careful by, like dead friends' clothes, till we shall dare unfold them without pain. But we forget not, never can forget. It is my nature to be faithful Althea had once touchingly said to her sister, and to forget was certainly not possible to her. Chapter twenty two